0: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Inside the Winner's Circle here on the Win Life Podcast with Awilda Rivera. I am really pumped, y'all, because today I have Aisha Walker with me. She is the co-founder and CEO of Be Imaginative, a collective of artists, healers, and community leaders dedicated to healing Black and brown communities through creative storytelling. Not only that, but she's an entrepreneur, Artist and teacher who is a change agent with a background in youth development and nonprofit work. Woo, that is a mouthful and it doesn't even cover all of the things that she does. So without further ado, Aisha, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really- such an honor, especially after listening to the podcast that you and Shirley did I really enjoyed that thoroughly enjoyed it so I'm just really honored and thankful to be here
0: yeah you know when I was just going over your introduction and and delivering it it, you know it's almost mind-blowing that one person can be so many things Mm -hmm. um and and to find a way that they all kind of come together in this beautiful Venn diagram. Um, I'm so excited to explore that with you today. So let's get into it, right? So as we said, you're a mom, social entrepreneur, artist, teacher, CEO, and co-founder of Be Imaginative. But there was a time before that, right? There was a time when you were just figuring things out, when you were a young person, even a little girl, um, and you hadn't decided necessarily what your life was going to be or look like yet. Talk to me a little bit about the journey and what brought you to where you are now. Oh,
1: my goodness. (laughs) I just have to breathe into that question because there's so much of me that I felt was so separated for so long that I am just now learning how to, the affirmation that um, one of my spiritual teachers and business coach gave me, um, Celestine Star, she said, I come intact. I come intact. And that's the affirmation I continue to give myself over and over and over again, because there was a time where I felt as though I separated all these parts of me. Um, And I think the root of that came from growing up with two very different families like my mom's side of the family real rich man <laughs> like my my family was very hood very very different from my dad's side of the family which was you know um pretty affluent and uh not hood at all <laughs> <laughs> so I learned how to code switch so early so early in my life and as a mode of survival in my young mind, like the thought of my worlds coming together frightened me so much. It was the scariest thought ever. Like you know, I hear a lot of kids who grew up biracial, multiracial, um, and those stories of what my friends have told me really resonate with me because I feel like I was mixed with social, economic class. Like I grew mm. up, I grew up in Richmond. I grew up middle class in a low income neighborhood. And, um, it was always, it was, it was a lot of the time. It was a big struggle. Um, learning how to fit in, learning who I am, um, trying, trying too hard to fit into social groups that were not meant for me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of performance, just putting on different hats and trying to figure out what fit me. Um, yeah, I remember, like, being in high school, and actually, I just want to back up a little bit to even in elementary school, like, I, I went to <laughs> Neistrom Elementary School, it was such a beautiful school, because I remember in elementary school, every single last one of my teachers were Black teachers. And, oh, just to have that as my foundation for education is so powerful, like, I can't Still remember the lessons that I got from my first grade teacher, Miss Wheat, Miss Brown, Miss Holden, Miss Moses, Miss Ryman, who was my favorite teacher, and sixth grade teacher, Mr. Blackston, and all of these people who really um, set the foundation for me, <clears throat> as well as my family. Also, um, when it came to loving on my blackness, and though I really struggled with that, I remember growing up really mad at the color of my skin, really mad at my hair texture just um, really not comfortable in my skin. And at the same time, I still have that as a foundation to pull and draw from.
0: Um, I want to stop you just for a second, because I really want to make sure that people really understand and hear what you're saying, because um, what she's talking about is a journey of self-discovery through walking in two different worlds. So whether, as she mentioned, you're someone of mixed race, you're someone of mixed socioeconomic class, you're someone who maybe comes from a, a different home environment, and even if you're a white person who is a poor white person or a white person who comes from a broken home, whatever your struggle is, as you move through your life really discovering yourself, if you listen very closely and you follow what one of my teachers calls the spiritual breadcrumbs, like Aisha did, you can come to a place of unity. You can come to a place of not feeling so separated as Aisha is describing to us really, you know, a struggle. And if you are a person of color listening to this, you know, I'm sure that there are many different ways that you can relate to her experience of, coming through difference and really trying to navigate that to a place of her own personal comfort. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you for that. Thank you for the the aerial view because as I'm telling this story it's so easy to get caught up in my inner child and little Aisha and the experiences that she had and thank you as I'm telling this story like I'm I feel you know little Aisha really activated um, and, and you reminding me that of that, it's a reminder that hey, I'm not alone in my story. No, <laughs> you're, not, you're not. And <laughs> I know that cognitively, but I appreciate that um, reminder.
0: And that's what's so great about the fact that come full circle, what you're doing is helping to heal people through telling stories and telling stories in a mm-hmm. way that mm-hmm. is healing. And I don't want to jump the gun, but I do want to remind everyone as we're going through this, that. That's sort of the underpinning of all this, because not only is there a a storytelling aspect, but there's also an honoring aspect and a use of traditional rituals and traditions that is sort of a a reclaiming of the Mm -hmm. culture by the people whom it was stolen from for something healing for something that is empowering that again speaks to your own personal journey of reclaiming all of mm-hmm. your blackness despite whatever your internal struggle may have been as you develop and grew into your power
1: mm-hmm. what an affirmation so, affirmation. you know, I
0: want, so you were saying, you know, before I kind of cut in, you were talking about <laughs> your various experiences kind of growing up that led you to really focus on wanting to honor the experience of black and brown people as your focus. But, you know, let's talk about how that kind of came to be, because that's a big undertaking, to say that you are going to become not just an entrepreneur that gives back right but a social entrepreneur and that you're going to become one that not only is a social entrepreneur but focused specifically on underserved communities and underserved uh, professionals who want to help that community with the work not of like entertainment or like just having fun or having parties which is also part of it maybe but of the important work of healing which can be messy and difficult and like you must commit to wholeheartedly mm-hmm. um so let's talk about that
1: uh, ultimately as I think about this work and bringing all these worlds together inside of myself and in turn wanting to do the same for those who I know and love in my family and also in my community, it is very much a reflection of who I am, this work that I do. Um, It's been a huge opportunity to bring all of these different areas together to create this holistic healing experience that honors a whole human being and all of the parts of us, all of the parts of me. I was just like, as I think about be imaginative, I think of it as a tailor-made suit that fits me in all of my crevices, and me. That means me as a mother, me as a teacher, me as an entrepreneur, me at, in all of my grief, me coming from Richmond, me, and as an artist. Like that's what this is—a place to be human, and um, you know the the journey of getting to this point. Um, I mean, it's it's really long, however, as I think about the way that Be Imaginative even came about, it came about from all of these different experiences, from all these different people that were happening, some before others, some simultaneously, and, um, you know, Be Imaginative was a prayer before I even knew Be Imaginative was was what it was. Just to back up a little bit and give some more context, um, Behold Healing retreats for community participants who have been impacted by high volumes of trauma, like the unthinkable, and especially losing loved ones to gun violence. Though that is one issue, there are so many different issues that are impacting the Black community specifically that um, happen at a disproportionate rate. So yes, we are doing healing work and grieving, um, you know creating grieving rituals around honoring our ancestors. however, there's so much more that shows up in that space and to have that space be held by everyone, therapists, artists, community leaders, activists like a mother, survivors supporting survivors like, that's what this space is about. That's what B is about. Um, And one of the big things that I just love so much is the fact that we are the people that we serve. So when we walk into these healing retreats, it's as much about ourselves as it is about community. The second part of what we do is we, um, we have our artists create artistic interpretations that serve as counter narratives that These counter narratives are narratives of hope, healing, justice, rooted in so much love and appreciation for our experiences, our stories, and our culture. They are done with so much precision and care because we know that the media and art have the ability to really make people think a certain way, feel a certain way, do a certain something. And um, centering these narratives that really uplift our community is a powerful tool. we do that through photography, paintings, murals, graphic design, through music being a huge component of all of what we do, especially with this beautiful collaboration with Soul Development, who is, um, they are, they their music serves as the soundtrack behind the movement of justice, of love, of liberation for our people. Um, we do it through documentary film and there's a film that's beautifully put together by the KQED arts team, NPR, folks that really document the story of soul development, the story of Kariga Bailey, who is the MC of soul, and um, also the story of Be Imaginative. And uh, what's the name of that documentary? Uh, when the waters get deep. When the waters get deep. And, okay. Mm-hmm. It sure hasn't they been released that. yet. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm but it is coming soon. And my former business partner, BJ McBride has his hands all in it. And he is such a brilliant, brilliant creative. Like he can bring pieces together so magically, so beautifully, so brilliantly um, that really capture the beauty behind what we do. Um, So, I talked about the healing retreats, I talked about the artistic interpretations and then the last part of what we do is we host healing, we host community activation spaces that double over as an art show. And this is the place where the performing and visual arts are showcased. It's a place where we have, where we open this up to larger community to have uh, dialogue around these counter narratives of hope, counter narratives of critical hope. Um, And it's just I I say this a lot because I wake up every single day feeling so exponentially blessed to be part of such a such an African village like we really, we are really a village in the traditional African sense. And that we lean on each other, we love on one another, we navigate conflict together, like we do what we need to do to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and each other as whole human beings mm. and i 'm just so so honored, so blessed, so thankful to be part of such a beautiful, brilliant, powerful, collective people
0: so there were so many things that you just shared that were very powerful and I want to do my best to to kind of take them one-on-one because there's a couple of follow-up questions that I had about each that I think are are definitely worth exploring especially in the climate that we are currently living in at the time that we Mm -hmm. are you know having this conversation um and you know you talked about and I want to start with the the Behold Healing Retreats um, that impact pe- uh, that look to heal and work with people who have been impacted by deep trauma. Um, and the reason why I want to talk about this is, it's not for the the reason that some who are listening might think, oh, you know, you want to focus on the gun violence and this. And yes, that is a problem. Yeah as Black and brown communities, there's a lot of sort of epigenetic trauma that we're dealing with, that um, when we experience these further horrific traumatic events in our daily lives um, really affect us more on a cellular level because of what has been passed down intergenerationally. And so I'm curious mm-hmm. about your thoughts on that. Your thoughts on um the the obvious and critical resilience of our community and the way that hearkening back to these traditions and these rituals um can really and have, you know, through evidence of what you guys have done because I write about it and I've seen it, um, have really fortified the community and have helped to kind of not erase but heal those deeper wounds Mm
1: -hmm. (sighs) i am finding myself having to breathe very deeply because i'm i'm probably gonna cry having this conversation (sighs) as i think about myself and the amount of pain that I feel just in my own life growing up a black woman from Richmond and the amount of people who have transitioned by so many preventable things like that could easily be avoidable if we just had systems in place that honored black lives and lives of indigenous people and lives of people of color um However, I always think about the, the saying, the only way out is in, and the going into the going deep, going straight into the pain, going straight into the places where it hurt, and to not do it as a, uh, not do it alone, to not do it alone in isolation. Like that's what, that's what this work is about. Um, I think about my relationship to be and how it came about was through me going into my own pain. I miscarried my twin babies, and that hurt me so deeply, like all these thoughts came up like i I feel like I'm a failure, I feel like like I could have done way better, like I could have listened to my body, like all these things that I could have done differently. <sighs> However, now I've, I've come to the point to realize that it was through honoring my twins, through traditional African um, ways of remembering them, of naming them, of calling on them, of, of building a relationship with them, even in their afterlife. Like, that's what drew me into this work with B. That's what gave me a deeper level of empathy for anybody who has lost a child to any type of circumstance because I was able to connect with myself and my own pain and through the connecting of myself and my pain and my own and my and my resilience I can see that in somebody else because then I look at another mother I look at another father another sister another brother another friend Another grandmother, anyone, and I can see myself and there's and I learned that there's nothing separating us and i I mean Shirley Johnson really, really helped me to um to be able to think through the fact that we are all reflections of each other and and being reflections of each other when I serve myself, I serve my brother or my sister. when I take care of myself, I do the same. And especially when I do it in honor of our ancestors, when I do it in honor uh, and to honor spirit in this process, like I don't know any other way. Talk about transgenerational trauma and what we carry with us into each lifetime, into this lifetime with, with um, all of what we've gone through. We also carry with us the transgenerational resilience as what Dr. Farima por talks about. There's transgenerational oh. resilience. Like we have power in us. We And there's this prayer. I And I, I hate that I'm not remembering where the prayer came from. But the prayer talks about we did not become artists. We did not become healers. We came here as such. We we're just catching up to who we are. And I know that to be true for every single person. And like what, what beauty, what power, what brilliance when we can all sit in our authenticity and to remember and to practice Sankofa and remembering that it is not taboo to go back and fetch what may be at risk of being Mm. forgotten. And when we do it as a village, how powerful.
0: I just want to say that I'm honored and I'm humbled by your candor, by your deep honesty, and by really the nakedness with which you are coming to this work to the sharing of your truth and I really hope that everyone listening at home stands in the presence of that and can really appreciate what you just did because that is not easy it takes a lot of personal wherewithal self-confidence knowing yourself vulnerability Um, and, and then to take all of that and to turn it into something else that serves the community is really, you know, and this is not just me saying it to, because it sounds nice. It's very noble because it's not easy and it's not like the way to become a millionaire. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I really... You know, for everyone out there listening, when you talk about following your passion and finding your purpose and dharma, that's not just like pretty words to say. Um, that means something and that holds weight and there's a gravity to it when you're really earnest about it. And if you can't see the way that Aisha has just painted this very detailed example of that in action... Then you need to rewind and re-listen because anyone that is really on the path of pursuing success as they see it through their own personal development and really committing to that is not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of switchbacks and there's, there's going to be some challenges that are going to cause you to transform and go through that metamorphosis. And at the other side, there's this opportunity. Right, and if you choose to take it, great. If you choose to pass it up, that's your choice, right? But what Aisha just described is just that, and the opportunity that presented itself, she took it, and now look what what has what she's created—this powerful thing that's impacting the lives of, of so many people in a really deep way. You know, I was speaking with Octavia Rahim the other day, and. She said, you know, you can either go wide or you can go deep. Right? And mm-hmm. Aisha definitely went deep. She went all the way deep. And that's that's honor. I need yeah. to honor that.
1: And you I just really appreciate you reflecting that back at me and the container, the space that you are holding right now to really honor my story and what you have created that allows for me to feel safe in the sharing of my story right now. And that's just, a, that's a huge testament also to who you are and to what you have capacity to see. And that's a testament to the work that you have done in within yourself to be able to see and honor my story for what it is and for what it means to me. So I just really appreciate you and all, and all of what you've experienced to even be able to see me for who I am. Thank you. And you know, what's so
0: funny about spirit and the universe is that it took me right, this interaction took me right to the next two parts of B and it kind of started answering the the other question that I really wanted to talk to you about, because, you know, storytelling has become sort of like an in vogue thing over the last several years, you know, and and I'm not trying to be shady or anything like that. I'm just, you know, like being a coach, like being a coach has become very in vogue. Um, And like being a yoga teacher, right. Or being a Reiki healer. And that's Mm -hmm. great because it means there's a lot more people focused on the work of healing and sharing and all that yet. Um, there are definitely people who are perhaps passing through, right? There are people who are perhaps like exploring. And then there are other people who are born to do this work. And that's not to say that anyone is more important in whatever stage they may be than anyone else. Yet the people that are born to do this work, like yourself, put, such a level of care and attention into it and the fact that what y'all are doing when you create these artists counter narratives first of all the fact that it's a counter narrative let's let's just address that because we we know that there's a lot of narratives about black people on tv there's implicit bias if you're someone listening that's like what the hell does that mean that means that if you cross the street when you see a black person or lock your doors in your car or have wondered "Mm, i wonder if he has any felonies when you met somebody just because they were black without maybe being a quote-unquote racist then you have some implicit bias okay so And that comes from a cultural psychology that is perpetuated by a narrative, which the story told by the media Mm -hmm. in the news, in newspapers, Mm -hmm. in movies, in television, in music videos, um, that predominates our society. So the fact that Aisha and her group are creating counter narratives, not just highlighting, you know, the Nat turner or the sojourner truth, which is also important, but that's not only what they're doing. They're doing a whole different thing. Um, So let's talk about that a little bit. Why the counter narrative? Why the message of hope in this way?
1: I just love hearing you talk about this work because you are really equipping, you're equipping me with the the language to really talk about it, even in a more in-depth way. So I, I just, I'm like, really, <laughs> I love hearing you talk. <laughs> um, And what you said about the counter, the do, what you were talking about are dominant narratives. Those narratives are harmful. They really harm us. They really, they harm us deeply. Like there are people that could be alive right now had those narratives not been dominant. And Malcolm X talked about the media and it being so powerful that it has the power to make an innocent man look guilty and a guilty man look innocent and what it means to create these narratives that are rooted in love, that are rooted in humanizing, that are rooted in in hope, and justice, and 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 oh my goodness, like it, it's so important because Muhammad Ali talked about affirmations, like any form of media is an affirmation whether negative or positive and Muhammad Ali says it's the repetition of affirmations that lead to belief and once we believe with deep conviction real things begin to happen so these are, these stories are stories that heal us these stories are stories that create ripple effects throughout our lives, in our families' lives, in our community, in our world. <clears throat> and I just fantasize about every time someone's life um, is taken away and, or every time someone transitions, what it means to honor that person and to create opportunity for us to highlight their legacy, to highlight their, their beautiful human life. And I always, and I think about this, especially as I come from Richmond and all of the people who have transitioned in my life, Mm, so many, so many people and like their family's still thinking about them. I know I still think about the loved ones in my life. I'm constantly thinking about them. However, the rest of the world might forget or the rest of the community might move on with their lives. However, what it means to, like, I always fantasize about murals created for every single person who was transitioned all over the city of Richmond, all over the city of Oakland, all over, so that we can remember that ancestor because they were a human being here, walking this earth, just like me, just like you. They were here. And I think about... I think about the ways that Kariga and Felicia have really honored Kamayu's soul, their beautiful baby who was transitioned and how they take her legacy with them everywhere they go. Like when they're on stage at the Black Joy Parade and Kariga is literally, and Kariga and Felicia literally got on clothes that says Kamayu's mom, Kamayu's dad. And to honor her spirit, and to watch her spirit transform all of us. Like that little girl's spirit is so powerful, so powerful. And that's the the very thing that happens when we tap into the power of our ancestors and we create art in their name. That's what Lauren says, Lauren Adams who's a member of Soul Development. She, She, we talk about legacy Monifa Kosua, who's also part of Beach, like we talk about legacy a lot and what it means to do what we need to do to keep their legacy alive, and we do that through all these, all these forms of. art. you know, Aisha, now I'm I'm gonna
0: try to keep myself together because, I um, it's just so infuriating to see victims demonized, criminalized, to have irrelevant things brought up about them to color the opinion of who they might have been at a time when they were a human being who perhaps made a mistake like anyone else. And I always remember Mm -hmm. and want to remind people that even in the eyes of the law, Even when someone has committed a crime, there are federal rules that prohibit irrelevant prior bad acts from being brought up if they're more prejudicial than probative. And that's just a fancy way of saying if you're going to bring up something this person did before just to make them look bad and it has nothing to do with the matter at hand, it's irrelevant. We can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that is a lot of the the, the mishandling of the situations that happens with the media, which is why, you know, to know that there is a group out there in the world that is not only creating these counter narratives of hope, shedding light and honoring who these people really were. But it's also then creating community spaces where people can come and be activated. Because let me tell you something, as a little girl, the most powerful experiences I had that have stayed with me my entire life were going to see the opening of Sankofa. We're going to see Daughters of the Dust the first time it came out. Mm. We're going to see Abdul Khalid Muhammad speak at the Victoria 5 next to the Apollo in Harlem, was going to march in the African American Day Parade. Those things shaped me. Those things reminded me of the power Mm -hmm. of who I am, made me embrace my ancestry, didn't allow me to to sidestep it by being like, well, I'm actually just Puerto Rican. Because if I don't open my mouth, or eat a, hmm. a a black bean or a piece of rice, it, no one's gonna know the difference. And Puerto Ricans de- descended from slaves because of the triangle sla- uh, the triangle trade that happened in the Atlantic, and so there's so much history, so much, oh, so much um, culture, so much that was stolen, so much that we have been prevented from knowing that just continues to divide us. That when we remember that as a black and brown people, we come from West Africa and then we got spread out all over. Mm -hmm. We're able to come back Mm -hmm. together. We're able to heal. And I bet that you've experienced people we've been like wow i didn't know that was going to be so powerfully healing to me why because it's a part of you it's mm-hmm. who you are you know and and that goes for you know mm-hmm. someone that is irish you or someone that is comes from a di- different indigenous cultures as well or someone that comes from a mixed culture or you know there are different Ancient spiritual practices that are of your culture that will resonate to you that you might have totally not even realized were a thing. Because before organized religion, guess what? We all had deeply spiritual cultures.
1: Mm-hmm. And what you make me think of, which is a theme in our experiences. American African people, or mm-hmm. just African people of the diaspora, and also which reminds me of be imaginative and which reminds me of my own life and my own experiences is this quote by Derek Walcott, which is break a vase and the love that reassembles the fragments is stronger than the love mm. which took its symmetry for granted when you know,
0: dead. and that speaks to that idea of legacy, right? Mm-hmm. Having what you leave behind be greater than what you took and I just got goosebumps because it's so important and we think of Langston Hughes you think of Maya Angelou you think of of the great black and brown artists poets healers leaders and you think of their legacy and what was really at the root of it was love of the community and wanting to uplift and empower people whether it was mm-hmm. through their poetry or through waking people up to the injustice or through art of some kind that made them think or through exposing it and it's just so heartening for lack of a of a more powerful and dynamic word um to know that there are people continuing to pick this mantle up valiantly like yourself, like Shirley, mm-hmm. like the people in Be Imaginative, That's and great. do this That's work. Great. Thank you. Like I try you. my own ways. Um, to, to, to do this work and to, <laughs> and to be unapologetic about it. Right, not to be like, "Sorry, yeah, I'm a black person. I need to like mm-hmm. help and heal myself, you know, give me a minute, but like, no, this is my birthright <laughs> to to remember that I am whole, and that, as you said, I come intact, so, man, I could talk to you for hours, but I know mm-hmm. you're a busy woman, and I want to honor that and respect that and your time, so, like I ask mm-hmm. everybody, um if someone has been listening today and is just so activated and so just excited about what you have talked about and they feel just like they're like oh man I want to just go out and impact the world and change lives and and help make people voices heard and I want to get out there and and really win life like Aisha's doing what would be that one last piece of advice you would give them
1: wow i would say come back to yourself come back to you come back to you as an individual honor yourself in your most authentic state wherever you are be in the present moment and in the moments that we can come back to ourselves mm. that's when come we come back to yourself
0: the simple yet extremely powerful and deep i mean because you know what y'all Let's be honest, many of us spend a lot of time running away from ourselves for fear of what we may uncover, what we may discover, Mm -hmm. what we may have to confront, (laughs) what we may not like, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it is brave. It is powerful. It is the work, right? And you can't be out here no matter what color you are talking about Change and all of this other stuff. If you can't first look at yourself, okay, and and I don't mean that to diminish or take away period from anything that anyone is doing. Yet Mm -hmm. I want to remind you that sort of anger without action is pretty impotent. And the first place that we need to change is at home. So. Aisha, thank you so much. I am mm-hmm. just beside myself with gratitude for all that you shared, the rawness with which you came to this this interview, and man, I hope that all of you at home were really listening, not just with your ears, but with your hearts, um, because really what was spoken here today was something that was speaking speaking to that place to your heart space so until next time wait oh before i forget aisha where can they find you if they want to support if they you know maybe are not a person of color but they want to donate they want to support or if they don't live in oakland and they want to know how they can get involved in this work how can they reach you or contact you or learn more about what y'all are doing
1: yeah thank you so much for that um you can find us on Instagram on at Be Imaginative Collective. That's B-E, Imaginative Collective. Uh, folks can also find us on our website, be-imaginative.com. And, of course, slash donate. Please donate uh, you know, money, resources, time. Uh, yes. We, we definitely can use some help. I appreciate you so much in having me today. And I just want to say all those beautiful things that you've said about me, the only way that you can possibly see them in me oh, is if you see them in yourself. Thank you. Your Aisha. And y'all and thank you get so out much. there,
0: donate. Remember if you're like, I don't have any money, but you're a marketing guru or you're a digital, whatever, or you mix music or whatever, you can donate your service. Go to be imaginative collective on Instagram, support this cause, support black business, black lives matter, brown lives matter. And until next time you guys get out there and win life.